0: Welcome to Sensitive Sundays, a show where we normalize vulnerability and pretend like tomorrow is not Monday. My name is Carly.
1: And my name's Alyssa. And today we're talking about getting vulnerable, being vulnerable, and sharing some of our common insecurities and mm-hmm. uh, just kind of getting into it. I'm pretty excited. What about you, Carly? <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm feeling pretty good. Thanks for asking, Alyssa.
1: But of course, We must first begin with asking, what are you feeling
0: sensitive about this Sunday? Thanks for asking, Alyssa. I'm feeling sensitive about getting into new hobbies Mm -hmm. a little bit. Or at least delving into areas of interest that I haven't really had the time or energy to delve into before.
1: Oh, okay. What? Like what? We- I, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry, putting oh, you on the spot. So, well, some of it's more personal, I think. Like some of okay. it is is just me trying to understand more about my sexuality. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, oh man, I said it again. I need to stop saying it. It's
1: all right. It's all right. <laughs> it's how you speak, and you speak, and we have a lot of people who comment how much they enjoy your voice, Carly, that it's very soothing. Thank
0: you. I know. People say that our podcast is soothing. I like it. I like that, too.
1: That's really nice.
0: (laughs) Okay. Focused. I am just excited to like of course continuing to dive into toontown stuff like that that's really like a side project for me and gaming in general is something that i haven't done in a lot of years so it's really a source of fun for me Mm -hmm. lately Alyssa and i have been talking about playing dave the diver and some you know just really simple video games so Yeah. yeah i think that that this is giving me joy because, you know, when I was in grad school or in undergrad or even high school, like, I didn't make time to do a lot of the fun You didn't things. have time to yeah. do it.
1: You were always busy with schoolwork and work and honestly being sick frequently because uh-huh. <laughs> you were
0: you were working your butt off so yeah, yeah. exactly exactly so you know now that I'm finally taking my mushrooms and like you might want to clarify oh, what you mean clarifying, by that <laughs> I'm not taking psychedelic mushrooms I am a, I have a homeopathic doctor mm-hmm. a naturopath who um prescribed me with some like, mushroom pills that have, of like, 28 varieties of mushrooms in them to increase my lymphocytes. Wow, this is really personal. And <laughs> and it's been working. So, um, you know, here's to hoping that these mushrooms heal me in some way. I
1: sure hope so. Hey, and I know that this is really personal, but it kind of connects to our topic today of just vulnerability in general. Yeah. Like, doing this podcast, period, is a very vulnerable thing because we are constantly sharing things from our – lives we're not coming up with stuff or making Mm -hmm. what i mean making stuff up we're talking about things that we've actually experienced and and that's something i'm happy we're doing that was the whole point is that for people to be able to relate to us and understand that they're not alone and maybe relating to some of these feelings and thoughts so i appreciate you sharing and uh i'm excited to play some more games with you
0: (laughs) (laughs) me too me too i helped Alyssa find a a Pumpkin had the other day in Toontown, and it was. Yes, she's really fun. so
1: sweet. I could not figure it out. I don't know if my computer was just glitching or something. Yeah, but probably. Yeah. Because we were walking around a character, and Carly's like, Do you not see him? And I'm like, No, <laughs> I don't see
0: anything. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. Um, Alyssa, what are you feeling sensitive about this Sunday?
1: Well, I'm putting myself in a vulnerable state bringing this up, I suppose, because I'm feeling sensitive about losing. The piano that I have in my apartment. So being someone who's 27, I think it's really special that I have a full-on piano in my apartment. I don't think a lot of people do. The story is that it's my mom's piano, and I was living with her before, and since she went to live in an RV on the road, she didn't have a place to put it, and I did, and I like playing the piano, and I try to do it pretty frequently. But anyway, in her will, it's my sister's because in my dad's will, I have his piano, but I won't get that until way later on. <laughs> Do you want
0: to clarify, Alyssa, why you won't get your dad's piano, but you
1: get your mom's? So my dad's piano, well, my mom's piano is an upright piano. If you know what that looks like, it's it's the kind that can kind of be pushed up against a wall Um, it's a very nice piano, but it's, you know, one of the smaller ones. My dad has a baby grand. It's a very nice piano. It's one that he is super obsessed with (laughs) and it's such a nice piano. Pianos in general are not meant to be moved around a lot. It can really mess with the hardware in it. So, um, I don't know how it came to be, but the will just got decided to where I'm getting the piano. And I think it's because I play more than my sister does, but because of that, My mom decided to give my sister hers, which makes sense. I don't need two pianos. (laughs) But um, my sister just got a house with her husband. And so now they finally have space to take my mom's piano. And uh, I'm feeling sensitive and sad about that because I really love having this piece of instrument with me cuz i use it to express my feelings a lot mm. i write music at the piano i hardly ever write music just in lyric form on my on my own like i can do that but i i don't prefer it i love having the tool of the piano right in front of me to be able to like create a melody through it and um, I just am sad that it's not going to be in my possession soon. I I mean, who knows? It might fall through that they might have to wait a little bit longer, but it's theirs. It's not mine. So I can't really be – I mean, I can be upset about it, obviously, mm-hmm. but I can't, like, stop them from doing it. So, yeah, I'm just feeling a little sad and sensitive about it. But. yeah. I can, I can work through it. I didn't have a piano for college. I bought a keyboard, a really shitty keyboard. I don't have it anymore. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I think I donated it to Goodwill because it mm. was a cheapo one and I hardly touched it. So it kind of just shows that I suppose I'll lose the need for having a piano nearby, but at the same time, mm. like I don't want to lose that desire to play, you Yeah. Know? So.
0: Yeah. Especially when creativity is such a big, part of your life Mm and in in your home a lot right now I Mm -hmm. I could see why it would be so hard to lose something that you use so often
1: and my neighbors are always like we love hearing you play like because I keep the front door open a lot for this with the screen door to get some good airflow and it's like it's so sweet every time if I go outside and I walk past them they're like keep playing it sounds so nice like it's just such a an uplifting compliment yeah. for me
0: so yeah but. absolutely so everybody's losing you know in a sense in this situation there's like a communal loss <laughs> yeah with this piano
1: Well, that's life you got to work with it mm-hmm. so
0: yeah. I don't want to invalidate your feelings though I think it's okay to be sad about it it hasn't happened yet so you still have time you know to mm-hmm. make the most with it until you know they come to pick it up
1: yep well that's the other thing I'm, I'm feeling a little bit stubborn in regards to them coming and picking it up, because just to give a little bit more background, I um, moved from unit so-and-so to unit so-and-so within my (laughs) complex (laughs) just a few short months ago. And they were actually here in San Diego for that weekend when we were doing the move. And you you and your partner came to help out, and I even Mm -hmm. had my neighbors help out because to move a piano, even an upright one, those things like on average are at least 4,000 pounds. And my sister knew that. My brother-in-law knew that. And I even like tried to ask them for their help. But um, because it was their anniversary weekend from their wedding, they claimed that they were too busy. And it just would have been nice because I wasn't asking them to move boxes or help me clean like you guys did. I just... The piano would have been and really helpful. They were
0: staying with you
1: for one night, yeah.
0: Oh, just for, oh yeah, just they for, stay for one. At the hotel. Yeah. yeah,
1: okay. So like I understand it's their getaway weekend. They didn't want it to even feel like it was a visit to see me. They wanted it to feel like their anniversary getaway. And I and I can totally sympathize with that. It's just when when a family member is in need and when they've helped you a lot in cases in the past it's like and when it's a piece of your own property technically you would think that they would help out but they they didn't even offer so um i'm feeling a little spicy about that and stubborn (laughs) that if they come here and want my assistance to help them move it i don't want to give it to them right and i don't know if that's just childish it probably is
0: but at the same time it's like would you want to give it to them if they had helped you move it
1: I guess not I mean I would be a little bit more willing I would feel a little less upset about the whole thing if I'm being honest so but it eh, I don't know can't control
0: it sounds like to me that it sounds like grief I mean we talked about it before on the podcast right but like this is maybe some anger maybe some shock and denial like
1: Yep, I'm going so, through all the motions right Some bargaining, right now. <laughs> you know, like
0: I, if I don't help them, maybe they won't take it.
1: Yeah. It's just a piano and it's not like anything major is going to fall apart in my life. I do have other ways of connecting to music. Um, that's just the main source that I have.
0: So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, anyway, that's what I'm feeling sensitive about. But I'm ready to get into our topic if you are.
0: Sure. Yeah, let's jump into it. I mean, so this is a really loose concept for both Alyssa and I, you know, just generally talking about vulnerability and sharing it with others. I think it's a hard thing for most people to do. I don't really know that many people that can just be fully open in any situation. I think it, it takes some things for each of us. And maybe that's something that you and I can talk about is, you know, maybe we have individual differences and what we need to be vulnerable, what helps us feel comfortable opening up to other people. I don't know, Alyssa, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like our upbringing has a big influence on our vulnerabilities. Like If you grew up with a parent that said, don't cry, stop crying, Mm. um, you are going to feel a little less willing to be vulnerable, not only with your parent, but probably with other people if you're in that state of wanting to cry because that is a vulnerable state. So Mm -hmm. you've been taught that being in that state of vulnerability where you're about to cry means that you're doing something wrong. And then that basically basically gets projected to every situation similar mm-hmm. to that. Or if you've been betrayed in some kind of way, like it might be harder for you to make deep connections with people because maybe someone that you had a really deep connection with betrayed you in some sort of way. Mm -hmm. So we all have different outside factors that might influence where we are at our most vulnerable. Do you Mm -hmm. have maybe an example or something? I don't know. Outside (laughs)
0: factors that influence what makes me vulnerable? Yeah. I feel like I've had a lot of positive experiences. And so that's kind of what I'm leading off of. Mm It's not necessarily like what makes it difficult because for me, I know I have an anxious attachment style generally okay yes yeah, um, and i can break that down a little bit more i guess for people that don't know attachment styles are
1: i only know um, it because my therapist introduced <laughs> it to me <laughs> so. you can
0: read about it through attached um which is like a a book that a lot of people talk about where it like, kind of breaks down attachment styles
1: mm-hmm. I did like an online quiz. That's what she yeah. directed me to. So maybe we can like add one in our description if people mm-hmm. want to look up what their kind of attachment styles are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There are typically four attachment styles and the the idea of an attachment style is like kind of how you trust and interact with people. In a sense, it's based on childhood experiences you know to the point where it's so early that sometimes we don't even know that we've had enough experiences to build up to that or whatever the case is but there's like the idea is there's one in one secure attachment style which means that you you know trust that other people are going to be there for you and can trust in yourself and your ability to go do your own thing and know that they'll still be consistent people in your life or that it's not personally about you if people don't choose to be around
1: right yeah definitely any parental figure you had growing up does ha- has the biggest influence on what kind of attachment style mm-hmm. you might have
0: and then the the other three are are called insecure attachment styles so in different ways you don't have both of those pieces that um safe space and that secure base and so you know an anxious attachment style a lot of the time it's mm, having a safe space maybe but not having a secure base you know not really knowing if the person that you're being vulnerable with is going to receive what you're being vulnerable about and be able to to soothe you, to comfort you in those situations. Mm, okay. Um. So in relationships, you know, for me, it comes out as like, okay, I don't really know if this person's going to like me long enough or at some point they're going to leave me. And so I can't invest as much in them, or I can tell them everything that I can and try to make them stay. And that way it comes out in like different ways Mm -hmm. depending on the person like i don't know if you feel differently
1: no i would say i mean i think that's a common thing like when you feel like you're about to lose a piece of your comfort which might could be the relationship or whatever you kind of do whatever you can to keep it maintain it and Sometimes that means putting yourself in a vulnerable state so that this person will understand maybe how much you really are trying to express to them mm-hmm. that you don't want whatever to change mm-hmm. because you're putting yourself out there. And yeah, yeah, it's kind of a powerful thing to put yourself in a vulnerable state because mm-hmm. it really shows people your true colors and who you truly are. Mm-hmm. Because so many people are afraid to show their vulnerabilities for a good reason. There's a lot of fear behind vulnerability. There's a yeah. lot of hurt that can happen mm-hmm. when you're vulnerable. But it's also powerful because it can be a true, a very honest form of expression mm-hmm. and be very convincing to people. And hopefully you're being honest yeah. <laughs> when you're doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And part of it is uh, sometimes out of desperation, you know, like mm-hmm. wanting wanting people to stay, wanting things to stay the same. So part of it is just wanting to maintain, you know, the relationships that we have and, you know, whatever it is that you're needing. So yeah. it's not, you know, a bad thing. It can just impact people differently depending on what where they're at and what their attachment styles are. So like somebody with an avoidant attachment style, which is also another insecure attachment style, is somebody who would ignore, you know, all these things kind of put them aside and say like I'm okay, mm-hmm. even if they're not. Um, because, you know, in the similar ways they didn't have that, that, you know, safe space, secure base to to bounce off of. And so it's like, okay, I'm just gonna be independent, self-sufficient, do my own thing. If people want to leave, that's fine. I won't be affected by it.
1: Yeah. And to kind of build off what you just said about the safe space thing, like mm-hmm. what are common areas where you allow yourself to feel vulnerable like mm-hmm. where where are some safe spaces for you or maybe that you think in general people tend to go to
0: i think in areas that are like designated mm-hmm. for spaces of sharing you know like therapy for me my consult groups and my supervision spaces mm-hmm. have been really nice to share i think sometimes it's about people making space you know when somebody is directly looking at you they don't have you know anything that's distracting them they don't seem like they're preoccupied with anything and they feel present with you, like that's a personal safe space for me.
1: It kind of sounds like those spaces have like communication prior where you know that you're going into a safe space versus like, you know, you can spend time with friends that Mm -hmm. you feel like you can be vulnerable with, but sometimes you don't because that there hasn't been that establishing communication to be like, hey, I need – a safe space to talk to you about this. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes if you enter yourself into those conversations without giving that, I don't know, establishment ahead of time, it, it ends up backfiring in some ways because yeah. maybe the friend doesn't understand that to begin with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess part of it is about communicating that you need a safe space, that right. they're not like in the moment creating that already. I think in my head, it's like, okay, this this thing has already been created. There's been some prior experience with them yeah or there's just like that label right like going into therapy for the first time like you know that it's supposed to be a safe space even if you don't know the person and you don't have an established connection and that's not to say that it always is right you know a lot of people don't have positive experiences the first time that they go in or for whatever reason we feel like it might not be a safe space and that's you know up to you and up to the therapist to to create Mm -hmm. and part of that is communicating it too in that sense like in order to make a space fully safe you have to share what the qualities are right that that make it safe
1: i feel like there are people who are just not afraid but like they look down upon the phrase safe space Mm. like quote unquote making a safe space like they they see it as like a a weakness and i i see this more in macho situations Mm -hmm. i don't want to say macho men there are macho women in terms of like having this mentality where it's like i don't need that that's that's i hate to say it but like they'll they'll say things like that's a snowflakey thing to do but it's i'm saying that because there are people who feel like it's like they don't know how to communicate it right they don't Mm. know how to communicate that they need this space And maybe it's because of an upbringing thing. Maybe it's due to just certain experiences they've had in life. And I feel like... It's difficult for these people to allow themselves to be in that state of vulnerability to yeah. have the conversations that they clearly need to have, that they want to have but they maybe won't even admit to themselves mm-hmm. that they need to have or want
0: to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you bring up a really good point about, you know, vulnerability itself, you know, not everyone can do it mm-hmm. so easily, you know, and I think you and I have the benefit of being sensitive people in touch with our emotions and able to communicate it. Yeah and and that's tough for a lot of people they don't have the words they don't have the knowledge of how to create that to be like hey can we sit down and can I share something that i've been feeling nervous about or you know like the sentence that i always share with people to start opening up conversations is like i'm feeling blank because blank and then you say i need blank so like you know i'm feeling nervous because i've been thinking about this thing for a while and I haven't had anybody to share it with. Mm -hmm. Uh, I need, you know, some quality time to be able to talk it through. Right. And I think that you would be a great person to do it with or what, you know.
1: Exactly. Like identifying the type of people who are willing and capable of having a conversation Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. I hope our listeners know that if you feel like you are someone who's in this position, please don't see us as like attacking you. And in fact, it's the opposite. We want to help give guidance possibly to allow you to be able to have these conversations, give you some tactics.
0: Mm-hmm. And I wanna normalize that too a little bit because yeah. I've been in spaces where I haven't been able to be vulnerable in the right. ways that I needed to. Like this is new as of what, a year or two ago for True. me? True, yeah,
1: same. Honestly, it's it's really difficult to be vulnerable. It's really yeah. difficult to have the conversations and it's freaking scary to try mm-hmm. and find the right people to actually be vulnerable with because of course there's always the possibility of someone taking your words and using them against you i mean that happens all the time and yeah. it's terrifying and it's it's hurtful but at the same time it's like you kind of have to figure it out you have to figure out who you can trust who you know won't cast judgment on you for the feelings you're going through and more likely than not the people you're talking to about this stuff they're probably going through it too they mm-hmm. or they probably have at one
0: point mm-hmm. so yeah, that makes sense it's it's hard i mean alyssa has been vulnerable with me and i haven't made a safe space for her in the past so you're know, not to say that that we're perfect either at, at creating a safe space at talking through our feelings like it's always a work in progress but i think what's helped is talking about it you know talking about what we're wanting in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Being being very forward and
1: communicative is very important. Like if you need to go into a conversation with someone and say, hey, I really just need someone to listen. Mm-hmm. I, I Other times I want advice, but right now I just need to feel heard. I need to feel understood. Mm-hmm. And it's important to say that in the beginning. And then if the person who's there for you can can feel confident enough to say, okay, I can do that. Or the opposite, say, I'm not capable of doing that. I really want to be able to give advice because that is, I personally think that's kind of human instinct is Mm -hmm. to want to fix the situation, especially if it's for someone you really, truly care about, like you want to help them through it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have to listen to them Mm because they're asking you to just listen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's honestly a skill. Like, There's a reason why therapists go to school and get their masters to do the work that they're doing and to do further school to get specialties because yeah. it is a difficult skill to obtain. Not a lot of people have – I mean, the correct word is emotional intelligence for it, to understand where to jump in and where not to, mm-hmm. where to ask questions and when not to.
0: Yeah, and some people feel like they don't have – friends who who know those things you know and so what do you do in those situations you know for me as a therapist it's like okay well you know what are some hotlines you know that i could give you if you don't have anybody else that you want to talk to and i only see you once a week you know what who else can you call you know when you need support or you know, are there teachers that you could reach out to if they're kids? You know, I'm thinking about teens, I guess mostly, um, but like you know, in adults who are coworkers that you can reach out to. You know, worst case scenario, there's I feel like there's always somebody that has a like, capacity to, and it's just about figuring out who who it is, and it's different for everyone. People need different things, and I think you and I need need similar things.
1: I kind of wonder because as I was listening to you speak, it made me realize like you were talking about. Offering people resources and things to turn to when they're having moments when they're not at their weekly therapy session mm-hmm. or something. And it makes me wonder, especially, and I'm kind of shining a light on myself right now, putting myself in a vulnerable state <laughs> that, like, I've been a long term relationship gal. I have been in relationship after relationship literally since freshman year of high school. And I feel like one of my tactics to get through the hard moments in life is relying on my partner Mm -hmm. to always be there for me and using, I hate using the word using, Uh but like, uh, I don't know, using- Benefiting from- Yeah, benefiting from him to help get me through these moments and being able to kind of always have someone with an open ear. Yeah. Yeah. Granted, I'm not someone who tends to blurt my feelings all the time. I tend to keep them locked in. But it's nice to know that I have Mm -hmm. even having a best friend, though. Like sometimes there are moments where I feel like this isn't the right thing for me to talk to her about. Mm. It's better to talk to him about and then vice versa, too. Mm -hmm. So I feel like maybe I, I draw myself to being in these long term committed relationships, obviously for other reasons too mm-hmm. but one of them being because it's nice to have that safety net of a person yeah always there to have that conversation when when i need it with proper communication obviously yeah but it just kind of makes me feel that much more impressed by people who don't do that who don't feel the need to be in a relationship to get through those moments Mm -hmm. they find their own tactics whether it be like what you were saying that you offer like there are different channels yeah but people just find different ways to get through these things Mm -hmm. get through I, i don't know i don't know
0: yeah yeah no absolutely there's like a lot of community outlets you know, and I think you and I have had similar supports built up, right? You know, as as serial monogamous, mm-hmm. Not to label myself as that, but like that's you know, <laughs> I'm my labeling
1: p- myself as that because it's yeah. just the truth. Honestly, I, I it's not a truth that I'm proud of, and honestly, hmm. I feel like you've been able to break through that because you allowed yourself to be single for like over a year, yeah, right? It was
0: like three years. Was I it think. three years? Yeah. Holy moly! Okay, yeah, yeah. see,
1: like you you don't live in that you you don't have to label. not that i have to, whatever i'm like spiraling right now what I i'm know. saying is like you've been able to kind of break through that label because you did allow yourself to have that time to be on your own yeah. and figure yourself out and figure out how to get through those hard moments without it being put on a partner
0: yeah yeah And and you figure it out you find your community and i guess that's the audience question for the week right is like who do you go to when you need support or when you want to share, you know, an insecurity or a vulnerability that you've been dealing with?
1: And And how do you approach it Mm -hmm. is what I would want to know
0: too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, is there effective communication in place or is it just all around well-known in that relationship or relationships that, like, if a certain tone of voice is being used, you know, to be taking the situation very seriously Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be
0: yeah and I think sometimes it's worked in right like you start by being like how are you how are things going and then that gives an opening to like how much you want to share kind of you know getting a response from people of what they're open to hearing about listening to vice versa I think my question is you know Alyssa since you just shared something vulnerable that sounds like an insecurity in a way you know how does the insecurity piece play into it for you you know it's one thing to be vulnerable about your life but it's another thing to be vulnerable about an insecurity which for me is like okay something that comes from a place of shame Mm -hmm. about myself
1: well I feel like I mean you said it like there is a lot of shame around your vulnerabilities I feel like that's kind of where it stems from Mm -hmm. like my example earlier about your parent telling you to stop crying, they're using shame in that mm-hmm. in that moment for you to feel shameful about crying, mm-hmm. which there is nothing to be shameful about when needing to express those feelings. Yeah. I it's a scary thing. It is an insecurity of mine yeah. that I have been in relationships nonstop since freshman year. I also try and tell myself that it probably is just who I am as a person. I have a lot of love.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: to give. And I love being with somebody. I love sharing my life with somebody. It just feels right to me. Yes, there's the fear that maybe it only feels right to me because it's all I've really known for Mm -hmm. the longest, for the majority of my life now. Mm -hmm. But I have to realize it's either, okay, I take the leap of faith and maybe change my situation, which I don't want to do. Or I come to terms with it It just might be who I am and yeah. be okay with that wow I am really getting vulnerable with I our know, audience right now <laughs> I know. thank
0: you for sharing Alyssa a perfect model of being vulnerable with your insecurities yes and you know even the self-compassion that you provide yourself you know it's a, a huge first step right like I link insecurity and shame together a lot and there's uh this social worker, Brene Brown, who's pretty big in the psychology field and self-help field, but her specialty is shame. She's made whole books about it. Um, I think like Daring Greatly and all of those books are partially about shame and her research in it. And she says, you know, we have all these shields to shame. We mostly hold it in. We can act out against other people when it comes up. We can move towards and be really like nice and people pleasing we can you know, move away and run away from situations and you know we do all these things with our insecurities like i mean for me i keep them in you know for sure unless there's a situation where i feel comfortable with the person and can share that too and that's what she says is like the ultimate way to build shame resilience is by sharing is
1: by communicating it that's mm-hmm. what i was thinking like your insecurities can really only be used against you if you allow other people to use them against you in some ways. Mm. Like sharing them almost alleviates the power that it holds over you because sure, people can use it as fire against you. But by sharing it, you're giving yourself the power to know that it doesn't hold as much power over you as Mm. it as it needs to be Mm -hmm. like sure someone could send me a really nasty message after listening to this podcast and saying wow you're you can't live life without a man or without a partner like you you're just I don't know I'm trying I don't want to think of something I don't (laughs) want anybody to actually message me that but like I'm choosing to share this vulnerability and how I see it is if someone takes the time to send me that message, it means they're kind of sharing that vulnerability too, Mm. or they have their own insecurity attached to it in some way, shape or form Mm. that it encouraged them to go out of their way to message me and point, point it out furthermore for myself. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm making sense. (laughs) I mean, that's a really
0: kind reframe on a situation where somebody uses your, your insecurity against you because, you know, you can decide for yourself whether their judgment matters or not. And I think that's a tough part for me is like you know, when I'm sharing an insecurity, the last thing that I want to hear is a judgment, right? You know, Absolutely, like yeah. uh, examples when I think about, you know, recently sharing in- insecurities is like, you know, I talked to my partner about my body and how it's going to change and how it already has changed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's pretty unwavering in like the fact that he still likes me, but <laughs> I imagine if the situation was different and he'd be like, no, you You need to look this way or, you know, like, no, you know, I had some clients who had who were married and had difficulties around, like, I want you to be healthy and being healthy meant being skinny. Mm -hmm. And and that to me is like the scariest thing that like I share my vulnerabilities about my size with with somebody who I want to see me as attractive. Right. And they say, you know, I'll only see you as attractive if you look this way.
1: Mm hmm. It's really dangerous. It's a dangerous playing field because when you open yourself up like that and you end up getting a negative response instead of positive, obviously you can easily either take the situation and be defiant against it and say, no, I'm not going to let this affect me Mm -hmm. or you can spiral and that's not
0: helpful for yourself. And I guess in deciding not to use it against you, you know, I guess it's evidence. No matter what, like this is information that you get to decide what to do with. You know, people's response when you share tells you whether they're a safe person to share with or not, whether exactly. you can talk about that thing with them. Um, so it's helpful, you know, no matter what, to be vulnerable. And it's just a matter of, you know, if you can intentionally do it and know that the result only dictates information about what this other person is like and thinks and feels
1: mm-hmm. sorry I feel like I got us off track going into the whole <laughs> like outside of vulnerability and you were talking about shame and then we're talking about insecurities I know it's all connected but no, I feel I like think... I kind of brought us off, off track I, I don't
0: think know we, I track. think this whole thing was on track Alyssa was it okay. the only thing that I missed was talking about the fourth attachment style and everything else but okay. I you know I think I guess in summary just the last bit um, before we kind of summarize our main points about the topic is the the fourth attachment style disorganized attachment it often comes you know with trauma because it's kind of a mixture of the other two insecure attachment styles you know going back and forth between really wanting and needing connection and being at a place where you're like oh I don't need any connection I'm just going to be myself and be fine it's it's kind of that in between bouncing attachment style
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that breakdown. That was that was good. I'm sure. glad that we were able to get get through the attachment styles. <laughs> I will definitely be including a link in our description if you guys want to figure out what your attachment style is. It is incredibly interesting. When my therapist had me do it, she also suggested that I have my partner do it and it she was able to kind of break down what that means for our relationship and how our parental figures had that kind of impact for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So I highly recommend it. It's just a way to have even better understanding of yourself more than anything. It's not, I don't really see how it would harm you to know this information about yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, more knowledge is power, right?
1: True. True. Knowledge mm. is power. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carly and I being the control freaks that we are, <laughs> it's it's the more you know about yourself, the more you have power over yourself. And mm-hmm. the more you can get closer to Achieving more self-love for yourself, Mm -hmm. which is something I am constantly working towards. Mm -hmm. And even though I've kind of opened myself up this episode talking about a major insecurity, I feel more empowered by doing it. Mm -hmm. So, And thank you for opening up a little bit of yourself too, because I know that 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 is difficult and it's scary.
0: Yeah, of course. Thanks for making space.
1: Who knew a podcast could be so scary? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. We talked about it for last time, but this is really scary stuff. I know. Huh? <laughs> I know,
1: fear, fear and and vulnerability kind of go hand in hand, yeah. don't they? <laughs> yeah,
0: they do. They do. And insecurity, you and know, insecurity. like I feel like that's the hardest part is to feel personally like something about you is wrong, you know, because of how you are. And that's tough.
1: Yeah. I think what I tell myself is that (laughs) this is kind of a negative way of approaching it, but it also is a way that has worked for me. Mm -hmm. And I know your facial expression you're going to give me as soon as I say it. (laughs) You're not special. And what I mean by that is that what you're feeling, millions of other people have felt Mm. throughout history in different ways. We were all brought up in different ways, but also in similar ways. It, it Like we're all connected is what I'm yeah. essentially trying to say. And the feelings you're having are not the first time these feelings have been had, which means no matter how far dug in a ditch you feel, there is a way to come back. There is a way to rebuild a community or to strengthen a community you might already have and work
0: your way up mm-hmm. from this hole you feel like you're in. Oh, that's really sweet, Alyssa. Thank you. I mean, I think the first the first si- sentence. Yeah, I, was I knew like, you okay, were gonna wow. hate it. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate it. I just think that it's an interesting spin on on normalizing everything, right? Like all the feelings that that we feel are normal, mm-hmm. and everyone experiences them. You know exactly, like you said, and I think that's totally valid to understand that you're not alone in any of the insecurities you have or the feelings you have. I you know I was talking to a client today about you know them not feeling good enough in some ways not coming from like childhood and you know I I Definitely feel the same way sometimes. (laughs) So you know, and it's not like I can share that with them. But right, right. But just to know, you know, it's validating to me sometimes hearing my clients talk because it's like, oh, I go through the same thing, and it's helpful to know that I'm not the only one that's feeling weird about this.
1: Wow, that's kind of a perk to have in the job, isn't it? (laughs) And I want to just reiterate, everyone out there is special. You're all very (laughs) special people. I love you all, (laughs) but. That's, that's just me showing a form of, of tough love mm. and to kind of snap myself back into, I don't want to say reality, but in back into myself of, yes, I am a person walking this earth and I have meaning, even though there are moments where I feel like I don't have meaning. Mm-hmm. Wow, getting more vulnerable with everybody. Mm. But I'm not special in terms of feeling these feelings and that I can work through them because I know other people who have been in worse situations than myself have been able to work through them. Mm-hmm. So that's all I mean by that. Take it how you will. I don't mean it in any truly negative way. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and thank you for clarifying, Alyssa. I'm sure people won't take this personally, but if they do, I'm glad the apology is there. Um. <laughs> you are you how are you feeling about talking about you know vulnerability about insecurity are you in a a good place with it do you feel like there's anything else that you want to add
1: i think i just want to emphasize that being a vulnerable is hard mm-hmm. and it's it's a difficult thing to work through and in, like open yourself up to mm-hmm. so i just want people out there to know that it's okay to not want to be vulnerable and it's okay to be vulnerable to Mm -hmm. allow yourself to open up to people and it's not it's not a sign of weakness it's not a sign Mm -hmm. of of inability to work things out on your own people need people i have said that in an episode before people need people there's a reason why we are social people Mm -hmm. we need to talk to others and experience things together Because to go through life alone and figure out how to do things on your own, that's a way to do it. But I guarantee you're going to get something better out of a hard situation when you include other people to help you through it, Mm -hmm. if they have the emotional capacity. So that's another skill to have to learn is figuring out who can be truly there
0: for you. Yeah. So, and I always like to talk about baby steps, right? Like you don't have to be like, here are my deepest vulnerabilities and insecurities. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, thank you for
1: saying that because it if you start to like trauma dump on people, that will use it against you. That that can really be a, a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. So, baby steps, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, of course.
1: Well, I'm ready to move on to our segments. I do. You feel ready? Yeah, I'm ready. If you are, do you want to introduce it, Alyssa? Sure. Um, <laughs> I know that was a really heavy topic. I know, honestly, I'm feeling a little heavy after talking about all of that. So now our segment, we're introducing our affirmation station. <laughs> it's a name wow. ChatGPT gave me, and I'm. Fine with it. So we uh basically just want to share some affirmations that we feel are something that we just connect to right now this Sunday. We just feel the need to share it. So Carly, yeah. you want to kick
0: it off? Sure, sure. This is kind of a basic one, but I think it's one that really goes with theme today. The affirmation is you are good enough. You always have been.
1: I love it. It's simple yet so strong too.
0: Yeah. I uh, know it's something I could tell myself and actually believe it, which is you know not something that we can do with every affirmation.
1: Because there are so many moments where you look at yourself and you say, I'm not good enough. I need to be doing more. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, there are hard moments in life where you don't feel good enough, where you have that imposter syndrome, where you feel like, ugh. I should have gotten up earlier and I should have worked out or I should have done this or should have done that. And that was something that my therapist constantly told me is stop saying should. Mm -hmm. You No, you don't. There's no should. It's what you allow yourself to do. Mm -hmm. Just take that out of your vocabulary because it's only harming you. Mm.
0: Thanks for sharing, Alyssa. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: don't know if I wasn't meant to elaborate on that. No,
0: this is a new segment. We're figuring it out, right? Yeah. What's your affirmation that you've picked out for today?
1: Uh, Mine's a little bit longer, but I think it holds a lot of truth and something I can really connect to, which is, quote, you can't control other people's minds or mouths, and you're not responsible for their perceptions of you. Keep doing you and holding on to what loves you back. You glow regardless. Mm. It kind of goes back to the whole control element, but Mm -hmm. also it kind of connects to our topic of vulnerability. You can open up parts of yourself Mm -hmm. to people, and you don't truly know how they're going to react. They might say things that you don't like, and the truth is you can't control it. Mm -hmm. You don't know what'll happen. You could completely open up to someone that you've known for your whole life or 10 minutes, and you don't know how... You might have a feeling, an inkling of how they will react and how they will respect this information, but Mm -hmm. you don't truly know. They can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of giving up that control in some sense and know that no matter what their perception is of you, you can't control it and you can't allow it to just completely take control of you. Yeah. That's that's my perception of that affirmation. What about you?
0: No, I think that makes sense. It sounds like you're feeling, you know, really empowered today by your choices and being intentional about what you share, what you don't, who you share with, what you do, you know, with whatever the other person does when you share it. And so it's a good reminder to know that you have control over every piece of it. We don't have control over other people, but we have control over what we do and how we think about the situation.
1: Yeah. I think I'm coming off a little bit stronger than I actually am as a person (laughs) right now. But at the same time, I think like your power with your words back Mm -hmm. to what was that episode eight? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Something like that. Your words have power over you. If I keep telling myself this, I will believe it one day. And I do Mm -hmm. truly believe as I'm getting older not that I'm old but as i get older uh-huh. i am beginning to care less about what other people think mm. will people's words affect me absolutely even though my mom raised me with sticks and stones may break my bones but words may never hurt me they do yeah. and even though i've told myself that my whole life it's it's just something that you'll eventually have to work towards not allowing to affect you as much mm-hmm. You have the power to decide how much something can affect you. But at the same time, you don't. Mm-hmm. I don't that I guess that doesn't really make sense, but it's kind of true. Like certain moments you can tackle and be like, "Okay, that person just said something really mean to me. I can either break down right now or I can kind of wave it off and rationalize, "Okay, this this person's going through something really awful clearly." Right. Like why would they go out of their way to to say such a mean thing to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's kind of like how I look at people who manipulate you. Oftentimes, it's just them projecting their own insecurities. Mm. So I think I'm trying to work on my emotional intelligence in situations like that where I don't just get butt hurt by the situation. I still defend myself because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't believe in just sitting there and taking the mistreatment. But I also think that there's so much energy emotional energy wasted on people like that who are just trying to hurt you mm-hmm. because they're hurting hmm. i don't know if that's gotten too off topic but that's how <laughs> I, I feel connected to this so that
0: makes sense that makes sense yeah thanks for elaborating Alyssa, and you know i i guess giving people an idea of what it means to you you know, they can take these affirmations the way they want to. They can decide to repeat them to themselves too. You know, if if you've heard either of these and feel like they're ones that impact you or that you need to be hearing right now, then that's something you can repeat to yourself. The, the goal is for it to be something that you believe and practice believing just to remind yourself, you know, of how to be intentional in your life. And both of these affirmations are from the Instagram, We The Urban. Um, they're I'd,
1: great. They're a great profile. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend following them if you would like to. Mhm.
0: Absolutely.
1: I think they post daily, don't do they? I don't know. It could be <laughs> daily affirmations, it might not be, but anyways, we recommend it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Make your feed a little bit happier mm-hmm. sometimes i i think that's all for me today yeah
1: if you guys have any affirmations that you'd like to share with us that you would like us to say on the podcast you can email them to Mm -hmm. us at sensitivesundays.podcast at Mm gmail.com or you can message us through our instagram account sensitivesundays.podcast i always forget to say the at sign before that whatever everybody knows instagram or i like to believe that (laughs) Um, but yeah, honestly, I would love to hear if there are people out there who say daily affirmations, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Please let me know what they are and if you feel like they make a true effect on you because I, I think it's such a cool practice that takes no money, takes hardly any time to do, and can leave a lasting effect on you. So I'm a big advocate for it. Do I ever do it? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, and and that's okay. We want to practice what we preach, so that's why we leave the option open to you to decide what we do. But we'd love to hear feedback. Tell us, you know, what you've taken out of this and what you've already been practicing. Mm -hmm. And and I I also wanted to thank y'all for listening this far. I think Alyssa and I realized this is episode 14 and that's crazy that we've created that many. That is
1: crazy. Oh my gosh. I'm so thankful though. Like I'm thankful that we took the time to build this platform for us to have these conversations. I feel like it allows you and I to be closer as friends. Mm -hmm. And we are being vulnerable on this channel. We are speaking our mind and feeling our feelings and hoping that people are not only listening, but starting their own conversations, Mm -hmm. speaking their mind and feeling their feelings. Because there's so much in this world that it's so fast paced. It's so cut and dry Mm -hmm. that it's, I think it's so important to take a moment and allow yourself to have those moments to feel your feelings and have these conversations absolutely so hopefully that's that's the work we're doing exactly
0: <laughs> and um i guess you know thank you for being here and if you don't come back you might cry no. oh, I'm so vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, god that was quite annoying oh that's funny Um, and have a great rest of your Sunday and a good week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.